Welcome to the Beretta Brothers. We're a podcast and a vodcast. You can listen or watch the episode. Just go to theberettabrothers.com. That's B-A-R-R-E-T-T-A brothers.com. Please subscribe, rate us. And we'd love to hear your comments. Thank you. <laughs> so, what the hell? What is that? I can, can I, don't make me move. Do you think I can get this dried cranberry in my mouth without touching it? If you do that guy jaw thing that you do, you gotta stick that big mouth out, lip out. Uh, put your teeth back, just lip. Oh! oh. It went way too far. Because your nose is so friggin' big. <laughs> oh. About right. with a wall with a walnut. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> One more time. That's what you're doing to try and get it off. I know. Maybe I'll try a peanut. Ready? Hear the dog upstairs or downstairs? Here we go. Ready? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Almost bit the lens. It's impossible. Here. I'm going to try and drink. Oh, I, found, I realized what I have to do. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Go ahead. Give it a try. Let me try drinking. Ready? If I actually did this, you would lose your mind. Because <laughs> it will just fly. It. It'll just fly right into the computer. Ready? Here we yeah. go. Let me go for it. I'm just doing it. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I found out how to do it, though. You just have to put your tongue. Ready? Oh, yeah. Oh, close. Oh, you know, close. I could have probably sold you on that. It went so fast. Yeah, it did look like it. Well, while Gene's doing this, I'm just going to plug uh, mm. his site. Go right. to GeneBeretta.com so you can see things like this um, with his art. This is what you'll you'll see is uh, him trying to catch things from his Ooh. nose mouth. He did a pop-up. See, there's a pop-up jump one. Um, you see, and, or, don't give up on your dream. Or you could go to Jules Little Gems uh, and see some videos that have not no new ones. But if you haven't seen them yet, they're fun little things about Jules the bear and the kid. And you can go there and that's kind of fun. And then you can go to the BerettaBrothers.com where there's all kinds of things in the gallery like videos and our past shows and photos. And Gene maybe will be doing these things again. Uh, but today we have some very special guests. We have, Gene, you want to tell them? Well, not only do we have special guests, but this is our first two-parter. That's right. Part one. So much good stuff. Yeah. We didn't, we had so much good stuff on these two. Why, why edit? Share mm. it with the world. Mm. Give. Mm. It's all about giving. You so we've got... Me? So yeah. we have the incomparable jazz singer, Jane Gutnick. All <laughs> titles. Yeah. Pilot. She's been a pilot for 20 years now. Mm -hmm. She flies for Delta, and um, she's also a jazz singer as well. And she has her cabaret, uh, I think it's Wednesday nights at the. Won, mm -hmm. Won the, the first Brown Derby. title. Uh, 1982 Olympics, 50-yard dash. Right, right. And uh, she's also uh, on the golfing uh, circuit. She's a pro golfer. Uh, oh, and she uh, oh, she also uh, designed and creates all kinds of things, including some stuff she did for the Muppets and the yeah, Jim Henson that too. Company. Yeah, uh, And then we also have um, <clears throat> uh, a guy named Kevin Clash who... Uh, began uh, one of the very first pretzel carts in Baltimore. True. And you when did he stop writing for the New York Times? I think it was like 
67, 68. To become a, a, a circus clown, right? Right, yeah. He joined Ringling Brothers, and then he started his own thing. Uh, he moved to Somalia. and Where he, he thought, invented Razzles. Right, and he thought the Razzle Circus, and that's where it all kind of happened. So uh, the combination Razzle and Flea Circus. Yeah, he, the, the fleas would do all kinds of things with the Razzles. And, Who would have anyway. thought he took all those experiences and put them into his own paintings and, you know, sold out his first MoMA exhibition? Go to the MoMA. Basically, just go to the MoMA. Uh, and then, of course, sculpting, and uh, he dabbled in that. Um, he has a couple out in front of the, uh, uh, the steps in Philadelphia, right, Gene? The steps that go up to the museum. He has a couple sculptures there. He designed that whole hologram of Rocky running up the steps in Philadelphia. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and which we'll talk about. Um, oh, and and he's done dabbled a bit. I, I understand with the Muppets in some way, like Jane, but uh, nothing really that well, notable. Or no, you know. well, one one thing that he's really well known for is he was the creator of that cute little red character from Sesame Street. Everybody loves Elmer. Elmer. Ah, uh, yep. Uh, how does he talk? He like always talks in, you know, Elmer, Elmer loves you, right? Yeah, yeah Elmer loves you. That He's so cute. Voice, voice like that Tom Waitsy kind of. Yeah, the gravelly. Elmer, Elmer loves you. He's so cute. Got a lozenge? Got a lozenge? That's yeah. a catchphrase. Right. Hey, hey, kid, got a lozenge? So, uh, <laughs> all right, so let's get to it. So, uh, so let's get on with it. Let's get our, like Gene said, we've got two parts. Oh. Before we do, before we do, let's just mention that later in the show, we're going to announce the winner of the, the Kevin Clash trivia question we asked last week. Yes. The question being, technically speaking, which was the first Muppet that Kevin performed? And it's based on the answer he gives in this interview. Yes, what he and says is the answer. And then we're also going to have another contest for you to announce. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Here they are. Well, here's Jane. Part one yeah. of Jane Gutnick. Why do you always look up? Why are we up there? I don't get it. Are you ready for her? Jane, 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 come on, Jane, 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 come on, Jane, Jane is cool, Woo! you're playing it cool, she's playing it cool, Ooh. hi, Jane, Hi, darling. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good. What are you doing? Nothing. We just thought we'd call and see what you're up to. Just hanging out, you know. Yeah. Nowhere to go. Let's see your nails. How are your nails doing? Good. Oh, my God. That it died for. Where'd you get the bracelet? Uh, I don't remember. What? You remember everything. I know, but I buy these in all different places. What's your what? favorite kind of jewelry? I don't wear jewelry. Um, I don't wear jewelry really. Well, you know, like, like you have bride, you got great. The what? I like my 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 padlocks. Ah. You're so uh, punk. You're so punk. Models are more like a Buddhist thing. Can I ask you something right off the bat? Okay. Where did you grow up? Where did you grow up? Can you I grew up in the Hudson River Valley. The, Hudson River Valley. Hour, hour north of New York, which is very trendy now, but at the time it was uh, just country. It was not even suburbs, really. It was like farms and mm. right at the base of the Catskill Mountains. So there's all the uh, forest. There was a resort there. It was like woodsy and farms. And Shecky Green came through town on his way up to the Catskills. All those resorts are just up from there, yeah. And then, wow. but also Woodstock, Woodstock's up there, like the very like a mix between very hippy dippy stuff and a very New York culture stuff. It's only an hour from the city. Yeah, 
And your grandfather was a, a, a rabbi? No, not a rabbi. He was a... Cantor. Cantor. Well-known Cantor, but I think he was also a rabbi, and his grandfather was a rabbi. And, yeah, what did your dad do? He had a... Well, when he was younger, he worked at a radio station, and then on the East Coast, and then he started a plumbing supply business, and mm -hmm. then he... Then our town had, like, nothing in it. It was like it had... It was tiny, and it just had, like, a a pizza parlor and a library and a roller rink, roller skating rink. This, oh, wow. this. So he designed and built a bowling alley there. Wow. So he, wow. He the cool. It only bur it burned down like three years ago, but it was it was there for ages. It, it was wonderful. It was like this hub of of uh, action in the town, you know. Right. He created a community place. Yeah. So he did that, and he collected art and sculpture, and he did philanthropy so do you so do you feel like some of your you know born in eight talent comes from your dad as far as creating and and that or your, did your mother have some of that as well design or yeah my mother's side was the more artsy side ah. so she had studied art in new york when she went to the um i think she went to the new school for social oh. research um and we have relatives lots of artsy relatives, uh, like Jerome Robbins, the choreographer. He's my cousin. I remember you said, oh my God. And David Sarnoff, who started RCA as a cousin. And my other uncle helped invent the television. And my mother's best friend was in music publishing. But my, my other uncle was in a publishing, I just found this out yesterday. He was in a publishing company, music publishing. And he helped Frank Sinatra start his career. Get out of here. He, he worked for a publishing, music publishing company. They, they had grown up in near Jersey City or Hoboken or whatever, and they knew he used, to, his, he used to go around to the clubs in New York to look for talent, to bring them in to, to sing the songs that this music company was publishing. Supposedly, there was this one song, and they had suggested this guy to sing it, and he said, no, you shouldn't use that guy. You should use this guy, Frank Sinatra. So then, so obviously, there's just tons of, <laughs> talent and entertainment and design just running through your veins and what did you do this as a kid were you into that were you into creating things and drawing and designing and making stuff as a kid uh, no no when no. did you get interested when did it kind of go oh i like that or i'll tell you two stories one is when i was very young i wanted to be an architect and then i sort of shifted over and got interested in theater and then also i wanted to be diana reeland she's the um editor Vogue because my father used to have all his clothes made in, in New York at a big the triplers it was like this big uh. Savile Rowy type place he, he liked to have his clothes made and my mother my mother's mother owned a farm, uh, a clothing store like I don't know it all merged together but anyway right. our grandfather was a our grandfather on our father's side was a tailor and, and he all his uh, brothers. yeah and uh, he, he made like all the uniforms for Valley Forge military school and made our parent our father's clothes when they were kids and so my father always liked to dress you know everything it was really important how things fit him yeah. and yeah. you know Same Same with our uncle. that's partly how we got our thing mm. we have it in us from from childhood yeah but anyway so uh, so I, I took a I took an art class when I was five at this woman across the road she she gave an art class for little kids and um, we had to draw, she, she gave us a piece of paper and you put your hand on and you draw around it like this. Mm. And then it's like a turkey, right? Because it was Thanksgiving. Yeah. I started right before Thanksgiving. And she said, okay, now make a turkey. So I did this thing and then I drew my turkey. And she, when she went around critiquing, she looked and she said, that doesn't look like a turkey. <laughs> and I said, I said, who are you to tell me anything about what that is? And I quit. I remember when I quit. I quit. Good for you. Who's this lady? An, I never took an art class my whole life. Wow, you're amazing. I just didn't think that people can tell you. I mean, I, I know art history, but people can't tell you what your art is. Just started right. early. I don't know, feisty. Right. Right. Well, you know, Jesus well, so, like that. He, he didn't, he started just naturally with that in him and wanting to kind of try and get it out. He didn't, and then and not until like school, right, Gene, where you. Miss Miss Storm, I would probably well, there influenced were just, you. I mean, there, yeah, there were classes along the way. Yeah, Nella Storm was a, 
and my fifth art teacher was a huge influence. But so I was going to ask you then, since you were self-taught, we all have uh, people we admire and we emulate and we try to copy their styles or their work inspires us to at least make a start. Who was that for you? <clears throat> uh, well, I don't know. I mean, since I was a kid, I was always going into New York to museums. So mm -hmm. I, I pretty much saw the whole gamut of the Metropolitan and MoMA, you know, I just saw all that. But I think my first person I tried to think to be was Giacometti. Oh, wow. Cool. Mm -hmm. what, did you, what did you find appealing about his work? I liked uh, his exaggerated... I, I liked, I guess, early, I liked taking what's normal and stretching it and pushing it to some other place. Uh-huh, right. Stretching Which, literally Giacometti. <laughs> yeah. Him yeah. in particular, but just everything. Just, like, take it and tweak it. Yeah, mm, that's interesting. That is what yeah. you do. You take something and you refine it and you... I don't know if I, I ever but I, but you know, when you it's just tweak like, it you know, and yeah, there's no point in making something that's already been made. But right. But, but when you're working collaboratively with other people, you don't always want to just go to like some new place because maybe mm. that because it's a job, it's a real life job. So you have to take, you have to have some rules and some some boundaries on it if it's commercial where it involves other people. Yeah. If you're a fine artist, you do what you want. But I'm not a fine artist. But do you like, so, you know, sometimes having those constraints makes you more creative, right? It can. Because it can, you, you have know, freedom from discipline. It can be like you have a limited budget, you have limited time, you know, like all that. You, but as long as you don't resist, yeah, I, any, I think any situation can become like a great thing. It's like the independent filmmakers, you know, sometimes they're the most creative because they're working with yeah. all, all they have. They don't have, they can't just say, uh, give me a million bucks to build a staircase that I'm imagining. They need to make it work in a more creative way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Limited in, in some materials sometimes, right? Like how using the materials that were there, that you create this amazing thing out of limitations, you know. Uh, and there's just, sorry. Yeah. Sometimes entire styles are created on just your, your resources. You know? Yeah. Oh, all I could do, all I had was some cement and some tar and then it becomes something nobody's ever seen yeah. like 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 when i invented the reese's cup all i had was chocolate and peanut butter <laughs> right and i just put them together and you had a cup. who knew put it in there see yeah. now everybody copies me and now i'm yeah, eating just oh no yeah but let me ask you this so i even though i've known you for 30 years it didn't really sink in as to how many characters that you've created over the years that are such favorites of people, right? There, there's, it's true. There are, there are certain characters. I know, look at her. There are certain characters that stick, stand out. And there's yeah. certain characters that kind of go along, right? But there are so many that you have designed or have been a part of and created that I think are unique and are special and do stand out, even though, well, I can't even say that. I was going to say, even though they're not the, the lead character or something necessarily, but like I think of the baby, right? You built, not that you, you didn't draw and design, but you created a puppet that looked and um, like the design, but still had a baby feel, but could also be that naughty, you know, it's, it's a, it's a special thing to be able to translate someone's artwork into yeah. something that people are drawn to and love. And you do that over and over and over throughout your career. It's amazing. It's amazing. Tell us about, tell us about the origins of Mickey Mouse, for example. <laughs> How long did you spend at the drafting table? Yeah, and Gumby. Or did you no. Gumby? What's that? That's right, you did. But not the original Gumby. No, but you did. I did. You right, did. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. <laughs> okay. Case closed. I'm not even going to say any more about that right now. We're going to learn. We're going to see these things later. 
Okay. Okay. So tell me, how did you, how did you get to Sesame Street? How did you get to Henson? Where were you and how did that connection happen? Okay. So. so I knew it. You made, you did Gumby. It's, yeah, I'm but telling not, you. Well, all right. We'll explain that now. Yeah, but yeah. not. All right. I'll get to that. Okay. So not. Okay. Uh, so I, after college, I moved to Europe. I worked in Belgium and with a theater company, experimental theater company. And I, I meant thought I was going to go live there in Belgium. That's what I thought. But it, we, it, it wasn't quite the right fit. So then I moved to London. And then I was going to live in London, except when my visa ran out, I couldn't renew. So I came back. So I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. I started doing um, mass crops stuff around New York in the experimental and Joe Papp and all this. You know. And then somewhere along the way, I got this job um, at the Brooks Van Horen Costume Company which was the, the big costume company in New York, like like mm -hmm. Western costume, just like a five floor giant warehouse down wow. on Broadway on uh, 18th, 19th in Broadway or 14th, anyway, down there. Yeah. And so the top floor was all costume, uh, costume and building, design and build. And then there were two floors of rental. And then there was a floor of prop and costume building. And um, what did you do there? Yes, so I was a head sculptor there in that shop. So we did like Broadway shows and feature films and um, Ringling Brothers Circus and commercials wow. and the first three seasons of Saturday Night Live because that's when I happened to be there. Right. So um, while we were doing that, um, you know, and I hadn't grown up on Muppets. I mean, that was like after my childhood was over already. Um, well, that except for maybe uh, you know the toy dragon or something. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, so Calista Hendrickson, who was renting costumes for I guess maybe for SNL or some other stuff, they would come through visiting on their way while they were renting, and she right. said, you know, over at Henson, they're making starting to build this movie Dark Crystal, and they're looking for sculptors. Maybe you should go over and talk to them. And I thought, well, I'm not really a person. I didn't grow up on Muppets or anything, and um, but I really liked Scred and Clubis and Thabag from that first. Yeah, season. I, mean, I love I, them. I love those I thought, characters. Oh, if they could, if I hadn't seen anything, but I thought if that's the kind of puppets it is, yeah, that'd be really fun. I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that. And yeah. I wasn't really that much of a risk to lose my job because there was a lot of jobs in the arts in that era, and also mm -hmm. I was making three dollars and fifty cents an hour. So it wasn't like a big risk, right? So but, anyway, but but you were in a good, but you were in a you were in like the place yeah, to be the, doing what you were doing, right? Yeah, yeah, that was that was the, the place. So, and I was like the head sculptor. I mean, I'd been there three years full time. I it was a good job, you know. Right. And, you know, Broadway shows and you know, like all this stuff. You know, it's great. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I went over to just you know talk to them, and. They said, um, well, we really don't need any sculptors right now, actually. Um, but we need someone to build a, a prototype harness for the Skeksis, which is this large puppet that someone's going to have to stand underneath. And, um, and we know you made harnesses for, like, headdresses you were making for the elephants for Ringling Brothers. Oh. Jobs I've had, and they knew I made harnesses and support things. Right. And we had to do that. And I, I thought, well, Yeah. I could do that, I guess. Um, I can't start for three weeks, though, because I'm finishing up a thing for Ringling Brothers for this fall. Uh, and amazingly, and they said, no, that's okay. We'll wait for you. Just come <laughs> back. I thought, what, the, what kind of company is that? I've never heard of a company that does that. And, uh, and they said, yeah, we'll wait. So three weeks later, when I finished that job, I quit my job. And I went there for three weeks of work. And then I finished that prototype, and they liked it. And they said, "Well, you want to stay and make some other stuff, making other stuff, like mystic stuff, and just a bunch of stuff." And then wow. after I was on it for like eight months, and then at the end of the eight months, the main build went to England to the other shop, not not shooting yet, but the build, and I was yeah. done. So I thought, well, that was good. That was fun. And then they said, do you want to stay and maybe make puppets here? And I don't really, I said, well, I don't really make puppets. They said, no, we're going to have a workshop and we're going to, you know, try and make some stuff and you can have two weeks. So anyway, so I did that workshop and then that worked out. And then, so I went over to the Muppets 
And then... Um, but wait, who, who else was in that workshop that you remember? Who else was like at your well, level learning? All I remember was, I mean, they were all really talented. It's just they weren't puppet people particularly. Well, there was Tim Clark, who ended up eventually coming freelance to build Traveling Matt later. And Lyle Conway. Huh. Um, and, and Fred Nida, who had built the Gartham. Fred, Fred, was, Fred had a pop shop in New York, and I'd actually gone to, to interview with him, but he was the one that sent me to Brooks. Hmm. But anyway, I went to see him early on when I got back from London, and he said, um, I don't think you should work for me because I think you'll be bored, because I, I, you have to do exactly what I say. They're my designs, and my shop runs that it has to look exactly like what I want, and you have your own ideas, and I think why... Why waste your talent trying to do my stuff when you should be doing your stuff? I mean, wasn't that amazing? He said wow. that. Yeah. And, uh, and so he sent me the Brooks. Brilliant. Anyway, a whole bunch of people all interviewed there, but apparently Jim only turned out had needed just the one person. Oh, in the end. really? So out of that workshop, it was you? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, well, I didn't have an agenda. It was like, Hey, you want to do Dark Crystal? Yeah, sure. Hey, you want to make Muppets? Sure. I mean, like, I I'm never... I'm sure that's what he loved. The key is you just say yes. Right. Whatever right. anyone says, do you want to go do Muppet Show? Yeah, sure. Go. You want to go to England and do the Muppet Show? Yeah. Well, but, but so, so, but stories that I've heard about Jim, and we always hear these stories about how he collected people around him, interesting people that he felt would add to the mix, whether they were completely in sync or not at the time. He recognized things in people, and I have to get, I mean, I have to believe that that's what he must have recognized in you. That there was something about you that needed yeah. to be a part of that world yeah. of his. I'm, I'm say that's true, because I know, I know that's how he was with everyone else, so I'm going to assume it was true for me. Yeah, yeah. How amazing, how special that is. Yeah, oh, yeah. all of us who work there, I mean, it was interesting. It's a combination, because when people, you know, it's a luck, but... You know, but you bring your own stuff to the table, and then if people want it, they'll, you know, it's it's not like everything came from Jim. I mean, he knew that. Like, right. people brought stuff to him, but he was such a great collector of people. Yeah. Um, so that was that was one of his skills. I mean, he had tons of skills, but that was one of them. And, and how interesting that, uh, is it, no, what was his name? Uh, Fred? No. Fred, Fred Nida. Fred Nida. So his approach, and he was very honest about, you know, these are my designs and you have to make that. And then you come to a place where Jim is, here's some designs, but here, and people are going, yeah, but see what you think. I tell you right from the beginning, you know, when they said, oh, we'll wait for you three weeks. That's okay. You can't start right away. Like, I was like, this is not normal. But then it never, it, it, it never stayed normal. And it wasn't like it was airy fairy. Hmm. Like, it was like, Jim was just like um, expansive and courageous and curious it was like it wasn't commercial at all but it wasn't done in some kind of like sit up in the country and you know make puppets in the woods i mean it was a completely <laughs> serious international business yeah model but it had a completely organic kind of almost like little theater group kind of temperament it was all a right. really magic mix and because jim was successful and true to himself you know he you know, he just found ways to keep doing it. Mm. They understood budgets. They understood deadlines. They understood marketing. You know, they they knew what they were doing. They weren't like some like group of like happy little kids. <laughs> right. You know, it wasn't la la la. It was like serious, like grown ups. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah. they had but but not corporate. Like really strange. Like instead of higher like a vertical hierarchical structure, the company was lateral. Mm. I think I think I can't speak for him, but I think he knew that if you create something that's not new or fresh, then why do why bother? Right. Yeah. He just wanted to. I mean, yeah. Right. He wanted to push and expand because his view as a person, he he's such a big, wide thinker. So hmm. very visionary person. And he could see possibility beyond even what we had. And sometimes he would try and, like, you know, seek people out to invent technology because his brain was ahead of what the technology was he had available to him. Hmm. Early radio control, like, he was way deep in 
I mean, if mm. he were there now with the technology they have now, oh my God, I can't even imagine what he'd be doing now. Yeah, right, right. It I sounds love, love, love technology, love. So what? What's the first Muppet you created? Uh, let's see. I'm, I guess. Well, in the Muppet Shop, the first. Then I guess I made three weasels for a Muppet band for a <laughs> three Muppet show, and then. Then I made some props for Sesame Street, like a square meal, but everything on the plate square, like square peas, <laughs> potatoes, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, I made a, a gar, what's his name? The gargling gargoyle. What's his name, that guy? Uh, what? I forget his name. Anyway, I made that. Uh, what's his name? The, the, uh, the, 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 the. or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, you made him? Oh right! McGonagall. Yeah. Wait, wait, Jane. What's his name? I forget. Uh, he's Irish, right? Or yeah. Scottish, or something. For, for right? which show? For the Muppet Street? Show. For Muppet, 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 Muppet Show. Because okay. you, you're asking about Muppet. And then, yeah. then I made a, I made a new cookie. Well, and then I made a new Fozzie. And then I made uh, uh, I made a Doctor Teeth into the Cheshire Cat for Brooke Shields for Alice in Wonderland. Oh, cool. And then I made. And then you made Rizzo. Yeah, okay. So, yes, another one, Rizzo. Rizzo the Rat. Rizzo Yeah. He was based off an earlier rat design that Don Celine had done that was similar. Oh, really? Don Celine? Oh. Cool. Okay, so, Jean, I, I just want to start asking her about some other, some of my favorites that she's designed. Can we do that? That good? Are we anything else you want to ask her at this point? No. Oh, you know what? Will you marry me. So my last. Yes. Yay! She's gonna really be my you sister. Will. <laughs> she will. She's so true. Um. What were you gonna say? We're gonna, we're gonna edit all this out, right? So. No. No. Not that part. Yeah. No, you accept it. Okay, so, so, <laughs> all right. So I said earlier, so many characters that people don't realize, and I didn't realize, well, you know, we're talking about certain characters, and I'm just going to throw out a few. Trash Heap in Fraggle Rock, okay? Rizzo the Rat, Sal Manella, uh, uh, Seymour. Didn't you do Seymour? I did. Seymour. Duke, um, you just mentioned McGonagall. I think that's his name. I wish I could. I'm I knew it. Um, but the list goes on. Didymus, right? It goes on and on. And the baby from Dinosaurs. It's it Johnny. Keeps, and Johnny. Um, but so, but can we start? Let's start with. Can we start with Sal and talk about Sal? Sure. Great. It is, it is McGonagall. It is. Is it? Really? No, that sounds right. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I'm looking at it. Angus and it was Jerry. Was it Jerry, I think? I think it was Jerry, too. Angus McGonagall. The first thing I made on Muppet Show when I went to England was the, the head on the Viking ship for in the Navy. Oh, and really? That, 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 you know, the mast, the wood. And all I right. made it. And then Jim had me perform it. So that all the video that's all over YouTube, like the big famous, everybody sees everybody. Yeah. Inside the ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like being part of Muppet history, like everyone goes, oh, look, you, when you see like the really old days and there's a piece of footage yeah. and then you're, and you're not in the hall. And then you know one knows you were there. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, they do now. Brilliant. They do now. Hey, why are you? Why do you always look up? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's up, we're always up there. Yeah, you. I see you. No, you don't. What do you mean? How are we up there all the time? Why can't? What if we were down here? <laughs> oh, I spaz too much when I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was cool. Jane, Jane, Jane is cool. Yep. And there's uh, more. There's going to be more next. 
<clears throat> Sorry, there's going to be more Jane next week. Another another wonderful half of Jane coming to you next week. So, Gene, do you want to tell them about our new little contest coming up? Yes. Um, listen to this, folks. How would you like to be a contestant on our next episode of Oh, I Knew That? Oh, I Knew That. We're going to do another Muppet Trivia game with questions provided by ToughPigs.com. Thank you, ToughPigs. You got to be both a subscriber to our YouTube page and join our mailing list. Got to yes. do both. If you already are both, you're still in the running. If you're not, then get busy. And then and on then, our website, send us an email and prove to us that you're an expert on Muppet trivia. You got to sell us on the fact that you should be a contestant on the next episode. And if you don't know, if you haven't seen the other the previous episode of Oh, I knew that. It's basically a Muppet trivia game. You're going to go head-to-head against somebody else, so we're picking two people who can convince us that they should be a part of, oh, I knew that. Watch episode six. You'll get a flavor for what we're talking about. All right, so now let's uh, let's get into our next half with Kevin Clash, uh, which I can't wait now? to hear. What's that? This now? What? Kevin Clash? I, Calvin Clay? Calvin Clay. That's what it was. I can't wait to hear about Razzles in Somalia. This is going to be great. And how he got he created that whole thing. It's really insightful. Yep. All right, So let's Gene, do it. You want to look up and here we go. Gene, you ready? Let's do it. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Calvin Clay. <laughs> Don't start. I'll Calvin. tell you I'll tell my ex-wife Gina that you 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 use that, and she'll be like, "Yeah." Welcome, Calvin. Uh, Clash. <laughs> Calvin Clay, take Rogina Loving. That, uh, can you just just quickly say that? Say, say no, your wedding. When 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 my ex-wife, when Gina and I got married, um, guy was he was 90, 95 years old. He was actually wow. her pastor for so many years. He actually baptized, you know, and all this stuff. And so we get there, you know, and I I can't feel my legs. Because I'm so nervous. I don't know why. You know, I keep saying to Jim Martin, am I here? And then <laughs> and then he starts, do you, Rogina Loving, take, and then she said, I, Gina Loving, take. And then he said, do you, Calvin Clay, take Rogina Loving? And I said, I, Kevin Clash, Take Gina Love it. And every you guys are doing exactly what everybody is doing in the seats behind us. Right. And they try not to have too much. I love that. Because so he was 95, you know. Wow. wow. <laughs> That's awesome. For him to do it, you know. But this, this is where? And where'd you grow up? And where, in, where'd you get married, actually? She lived she lived in Aberdeen, Maryland. So her church was in Aberdeen, Maryland. Which is about wow. you know forty five minutes outside of Baltimore, you know Baltimore City, where I was, or Baltimore County, and so uh, yeah, it was it was Albert, Aberdeen, Maryland. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. It's my favorite story. <laughs> um, Listen, you can so, do whatever you want. It's your show. Well, we just Push. we just. Ah. Uh, <laughs> so we just jump right in and we say things like, Calvin, where were you born? <laughs> Baltimore, Maryland. I was at a. Well, it was. It used to. It was called Chocolate City, actually. Uh, Turner really? Station. It was called. Oh, you're Cho thinking of. You're thinking of Hershey, PA. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what I'm thinking, Jimmy. You don't have to speak for me. Not Hershey, Pennsylvania. Is no. I used to love going to Hershey, Pennsylvania. Right. A place that I, you know, and of course we would go there, and I, I hate chocolate, so of course that's a great place to go. Oh what? man. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but, my grandmother uh, told me, can I just tell you real quick? My what? grandmother told me once where they got Nestle's Crunch. Well, how did they get it? from? A man fell into the big vat while they were <gasps> making chocolate. You're such a liar. That's <laughs> what I got. That's what I was told. It happened. But it, it really no. happened. Shut a up. Did, a, a guy did fall in, but that's, she like made it up like that's how they came up with the recipe. <laughs> Wait a minute. I always knew that story, but I never knew it was attached to the Nestle's Crunch thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just, I never heard that part of it. <laughs> humor. 
humor with your family was all the way back there. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, no. And, of course, extreme lies. Lies. <laughs> <laughs> right. Get you to spin your head around a few times. They I can't loved believe it. that I'm more talking with the Beretta boys because, oh, my goodness. You know, <laughs> I, I, the, the stuff that I know about you guys would put you oh. under would put you under the jail. Jimmy <laughs> <laughs> Hopper was bad. I mean, my goodness, you guys. But wait, it was gonna, all worth it. I all worth you, it to meet our grandfather. Used to say, you know, you, you know, the neighbor, the families, you know, the, the, the neighborhood is saying, please don't, don't, don't deal with it. Stay away from the Beretta boys. <laughs> they did. Uh, oh, you hear? So when was this? Oh my goodness. When? Let me, tell you, let me tell you what's across for me. This is what's great. What was across for me is a big, uh, one of those big floor televisions. You know, you put it on the floor. And then up above was um, Angela Davis. Oh, yeah. My mom was very, you know, was very militant and she was in, the, you know, everything. And so we, I would, I would watch TV. You know, and, and then there was this big frame picture of Angela Davis above, <laughs> above television. And then at some point she took it down because, you know, my mom and dad, they've been so supportive that mm. she knew <clears throat> that I would watch Sesame Street or I would watch, you know, something. With, and they so they put a big mirror above. And so I would perform my puppets and learn my lip sync. Watch ah. it or lip sync into something like Motown on TV or something like that. Ah, so she ah. up of it, so I could learn how to lip sync, you know, and, and keep learning that way. That is ah. so smart. Oh my gosh! Yeah. They were there to, to have that forethought. That's amazing. They, they were there. They 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 connected to what I was doing, you know, before I even knew what I was doing. I'm, I'm trying to sort out which one is the puppeteer in this photo. Well, that's <laughs> I mean, look at the grease. Look at all the grease on my forehead. That was <laughs> that, that that afro. We called that a ush. Because How old are you? It never really turned into a nice afro bush, so we called that an ush. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you here? Ooh, I'm about ten, eleven. So, did you make all these? Did you have someone help you make them? No, I made all of these. And, and what was really funny is I used to like. Go so, I mean, really, really close to the TV to really yeah. try to see how the scenes were, you know, how they, how they got rid of the scenes. My mom said, you better get back away from that TV. You're going to go blind. <laughs> but I used to, I used to, so yeah, these are all, all mine. And, and these all stayed in my, my mom and dad's bedroom. Wow. And I remember, I remember once, um, my mom said she woke up one night saying, I see eyes. <laughs> It was some moonlight or something that was hitting the puppets, and she was. She said it was the worst thing, worst nightmare. <laughs> but they, they were on yellow shelves, all these big yellow shelves in their room, in their bedroom, because there was no other other room for them. Actually, let me ask you this: How did you get to Sesame? How do you get to Sesame Street? Can you tell me how to get how to Actually, get to Sesame Street? What's interesting through through um, through Kermit Love who helped create Big Bird and Snuffy. What happened is I went up, I was already connected with Stu, and Stu was really close friends with Bob Keeshan. So he mm. was already setting up that relationship as far as me going and doing Captain Kangaroo. But I, on my 12th grade, we, we uh, went on a trip to New York. And before that, I had already known about Stu, I mean, about a Kermit, and I wanted to meet him. Mm -hmm. So fortunately, we got in touch with him, and he said, well, whenever you're in New York, you know, meet up. So I went on this school trip, and I took the subway for the first time. It was, oh, my goodness, please no. <laughs> and, um, got there somehow and met with Kermit, and he was really impressed with what I knew. I had to be like maybe 15, 16, 17 around. Wow. And he was really impressed. He said, but they had already cast everybody as far as anybody knew. Right. Uh, so Nothing would happen. So um, I went back, and and then and then when I got back, Stu said, "Well, you know, um, Keisha would like to, you know, would like to try you out on Sesame. I mean, on uh, on Captain." So that's what happened. What, you know, a, what, a, what an amazing way to start into your career. Let me just add, I was in my teens. Who knew? You know, I was like, I was in yeah. my teens. 
And then after that, um, I think Sesame Street, um, I started, I did a Captain Kangaroo. All right. Captain Kangaroo. And then, um, uh, you know what? I started doing the Great Space Coaster. Oh, right. Be, so that was before what? Sesame? Right. Because I remember uh, John, John. Um, this is from that, John, right? Yep, yep. You see my skinny. I wish I was that skinny. Now. <laughs> you, know, you find food and look what happens. So somebody told him, told John Stone about me. So John went over. Yeah, actually, um, Ted May, who was one of assistant directors of, of Sesame Street, worked right. on worked on um, the Great Space Coaster. So John came over, went over because he heard about this, you know, this young black puppeteer. Lo and behold, it's the day that I'm doing Garrido, and there's a song, and the, the three singers, they couldn't lip sync the song. Oh. So there was a big thing of bananas in front of me. And so I'm working the puppet, and they kept saying, go to the go to the Garrido, go to Garrido. <laughs> I, I kept getting tired of it. So I was like, you know, doing this with the banana (laughs) i got tired of having to you know take care so i was like y'all y'all not gonna use me you know (laughs) i was really big so that was the day that john stone came over and he saw me doing all of this bad stuff messing around yeah he went back and said yeah he's not for us (laughs) oh really that's so wow Well, to be honest with you, I think that what happened is I started doing um, uh, workshops with Jane Henson, Jim Henson's Uh wife. And I started doing, you know, that was between, I was doing, you know, Grace Pacers, I was doing Captain Kangaroo, you know. Um, But they, you know, but somehow Jane said, you know, you want to come over and do workshops as as my assistant. So I did that. Now it's been, you know, of course. You know your most popular character, Elmer, uh, is. I love know, Elmer. We yeah. love so Elmer. How long was it before that all started up? Well, you know, I I was on the show, and when I first started, uh, 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 Karen Prell, who went on to do Red Fraggle, who is an amazing puppeteer, uh, uh, Michael. Um, shoot, I love Karen. Mike Quinn. No, Michael. Um, oh. oh my goodness! Bobo Dadowski. No, Michael <laughs> Davis. Michael Davis was this amazing puppeteer who, unfortunately, is not with us anymore. He was. He was. We were all there to, because Jim and Frank and Jerry. They were all well. Jim and Frank mainly were all starting to develop the Muppet Show. Hmm. So they weren't really on Sesame Street as much anymore, trying to you know get that going. Uh, Richard Hunt who, you know, is amazing, amazing. And and also uh, Jerry Nelson, they were the ones who hold in the fort at Sesame. Right. Uh, but they started all these new, they they couldn't have Kermit anymore on Sesame Street because, you know, they were, they were gearing up for this, you know, for this new show. So yeah. the the newcomers like me and, and actually Marty Robinson also was a newcomer. We were all trying to, you know, so they were developing all these characters that were just not good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was doing something Professor Professor D Rabbit or you know actually Hoots came out of that. Oh really? Okay. Out, of, out of that, but but Ferlinghetti Donizetti was this this like beatnik character that rhymed all the time. You know, hey, is he the basic? You know, he's like Bebop. You know, from from the other project that, that I know Bill knows about. But um, nothing was really working. So I was just doing all these wonderful production numbers. I was having a great time. Yeah. Um, and then um. One of the writers, well, the the build, you know, the builders would always build monsters all the time. They would keep building monsters because you could use them for anything with Sesame. And so they made this little red monster. Yeah. And they didn't know what they was doing, but they just added it as. And I remember there was a production number where you know Jerry was doing, and it was like it was like. And then, one of the writers really took a liking to it and said to, you know, to the producers, you know, I really want to start writing something for it. And he came up with the voice, the name of Elmo and everything. And so Ryan Mule, who, who was this amazing puppeteer on, yeah. on, on at the time, he originated uh, uh, 
Nobel Prize, Telly Monster, uh, Barkley. Wow. Uh, amazing, amazing, multi-talented, very, 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 very funny guy. And so he started doing, he started doing this whispery voice. Yes, 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 yes. And um, he wanted to go off and pursue his acting and writing career. It, but he, at that point, he had already done uh, Dark Crystal. He was already right. doing the movies with, with Jim. Jim thought the world of him. He was great. Hmm. Uh, you know, he, he did, he did uh, Big Bird Goes to China. He, uh, Big Bird Goes to Japan with Barkley. And so, you know, he did a lot of wonderful stuff. So he just said, I just want to pursue that. So then they threw it to Richard Hunt. Ah. And Richard started, yes, 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 I, Elmo, yes, yes. It's just screaming. <laughs> and a great writer, Norman, Norman oh, Stiles. I don't know how wonderful. you remember it all. I don't know how you remember Norman it all. Stiles. Yeah, Norman Stiles, an amazing head writer, amazing. He, uh, he would call over and say, what is Richard doing? Why is he screaming? And so what happened is um, I was in, we have this Muppet green room. Where all actually it's 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 a green room for all the puppeteers, but then there's this all these cardboard boxes with all of the Sesame Street puppets that they keep in there. Right. And so he comes in holding the arms, the rods of Elmo. <laughs> he says, "Here, <laughs> you know." And I was like, "I, you know, I did the voice." And he said, come with me. So I went into the control room. Lisa Simon was there. And he said, listen, I'm tired of Norman calling over. I don't need this character. I don't need it. <laughs> this is what, what Kevin did. And I did it. She said, I don't care. If you don't want to do it, he could do it. And it was like two, two, two scripts left for that season. It was the end of the season. Yeah. And I was like, if Richard Hunt, you know, I'm looking up, you know, that's that, you know, that's my 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 idol. Richard Hunkett, what, what am I gonna do with it? So I got through those two scripts, went home, my mom is a day with you know, daycare mom, and I started watching the kids, you know, crawling and doing stuff and making me laugh and everything. Yeah. And the next season I went back, I did this really sweet script that um that was about Elmo going on vacation. And it was with Emilio Delgado, who plays Luis. Uh -huh. And we had to fix the shop. And Elmo was like bringing in a suitcase and talking to, you know, Luis about what, you know, this is what I'm putting in and this is what I'm, and I'm doing all of this with the rods, you know. And, and then he, he he runs off and he says, oh, Elmo forgot something. He comes back and kisses Luis and says, bye-bye. And it was the sweet. And everybody went crazy. I mean, <laughs> Bill knows this and probably Gene knows this. Rich, I mean, um, Frank Frankie Biondo, who was one of our most celebrated, I mean, Gene met Frank. Cheerleader yeah, of, of Sesame Street. Wait, he we was, all had dinner together. All four yes, of us. We always had and, we, and, Yoko, and Yoko Ono was at the next table. We gave her the flowers that Frank well, brought for did. Billy. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. a whole another amazing story. But Frank Frank uh, has been there. He's, he, he, did the, he did the pilot of Sesame Street. He shot the pilot. We should say he's a cameraman. Yeah, he's the cameraman. Um, and, and, if and, you can, and he's Italian. Yeah. Frankie to laugh. So he, 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 I got him laughing, and I, and and once you, you know, we know this, you know, as, as performers, you know, once we get somebody laughing, I was like, okay, there's something happening here. I, I got something going, and that's how it all started. Um, one of my favorite things that you did with Elmo is is how you would interact with kids, and the like kids could be mauled by elmo and they loved it you would take elmo's mouth and just suck a kid's face off and, and they loved it it oh, was like eat them right and and oh, yeah. i can't tell you how many times i'd see like these little kids like hi elmo and here we go hi and then you would just grab their little heads and shake them sometimes <laughs> grab them up that was yeah. that was a time I went to I went to and did this appearance. It was the sweetest thing, and it was about it was in a, in, a, in an area that had this worst tornado and stuff like that. And so we were doing like kind of you know raising you know help to raise money, and uh, we were doing a little rehearsal. And there was this little little I, I can't remember how how young or she was, but just yeah. it, and, and Sesame Street diaper. It was in Sesame Street, and she was sitting in Mama's lap, 
And I was doing a rehearsal, and um, I said, we have to stop. Because, you know, she she was like, her hands were out. Like, you know, <laughs> I had, I said, we can just stop. And so he, she comes over, pays no attention to me, grabs the puppet off my arm, <laughs> takes it back and sits on my lap, and she's holding it like that. She's so, just, <sighs> When, well, here's, when my son, guess, when my son uh, Ben met when Ben met Elmo, he slapped him across the face. Ben slapped Elmo. Oh um, my gosh! Here's oh here's a shot of when Jackson first met Elmo. <laughs> and this is that thing you grabbed his head and shook him, mm -hmm. and it was one of those moments. I love this. My one of my favorite photos of Jackson. He's so happy. Yeah. Look how happy he is. <laughs> hey, parents! Parents watch their their child watch these shows, like even, even Muppet shows or whatever, and they watch their children. They're like, oh, my children, they love it. They love it. And then they they come and they, you know, they finally, the children get to finally get to see them in person. Right. And like sometimes it's like, oh, my God, they start, you know, and the parent is like pushing the child towards which they know this is the, this is the ultimate because you love this character so, so much. What's wrong with you? And I have to say to them, listen, this is a totally different medium. They're seeing a small TV or whatever kind of TV, and, and it's different when it's live. And so what I do is I have the, I have them take their child and sit right, stand right on the side, and keep watching the other kids come up and love and laughter and silly. And then I say, mm, and they bring the child, and then it's ready. But they don't get it. And then, then they say to me, you have the patience of saying <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's a privilege for me to sit there. Right. I mean, it's it's the best. I mean, I I have you know, I'm like a fly on the wall because they don't care about me, but to hear these children and the stuff that they say, and it, it is the most it's wonderful. The so I'm I'm talking to I'm preaching to the preacher. I mean, I know you. No, guys, no, no. I mean, but it's, you, it's you beyond. know. There, I'll stay there. I will not leave. And you know, PR people are like, you know, we got to no. You everybody that's there, you know, because it's not about us at that point. It's about you know. So and you're all, you can as, see long it as, as long as I've <laughs> as long as I've known you've always been that way. You will take go out of your way to make sure that the kids get a chance that are waiting or are watching or you're just always you've always and I learned that from you to just you know what that's why we're there. You know when people yeah. come. What was what, well, yeah? What's the what's the point? Here's a here's our, a good uh, shot. Goes, we we had our ego goes away. You know what I mean? It's especially you know you know when you're dealing with celebrities, you know we we just trying to make them laugh and have a good time so we can get what Same we get thing. from them. Yeah. But children, children, this is this is their life. They sit and they watch and they they learn and they they love and they 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 you know it's all of that. Yeah. Tell me about this. How, did you get to work like? Did you right hand a lot with Jim or did you? Play a lot, being on there. I got, I got to play a lot with Jim. Um, this is from we did. There was a there was a song called "Put Down the Ducky," right. with Hoots. Sure, with Hoots. We did, we did. We had every celebrity and everything. And so for the rap party, we had we had one where all of us got to do "Put Down the Ducky." All the crew, everybody, all the cameramen, everybody got to do "Put." And so this is Jim's. And and uh, I forget what he said, but he had just you know said something, and this was the piece that he did, and he had put the he put his arm down and said you know something, but that that was uh, behind the scenes for the um, rap party of him playing around with put down the ducky. Right, he, he, always me, he always said to me, why did they make him so big? And it was oh. like I was like, well, how do I know Jim? This is your you tell them, and if you want it, listen, I'm fine with making it smaller. So why did he make it so big? I remember when he used to say that to me. All right. But it, the, was, uh, it was a wonderful song. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, great song. By the way, I want to say how much I'm so proud of Ryan Dillard. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. He is amazing. He were in to step in and have done the most amazing of keeping that character going. I love him dearly. He really does an amazing job. It really is a great job. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm yeah. really, I'm really, really honored and really, really happy for him. I want to, I want to, you know, start asking you a little bit about the work you did post Sesame Street. But before I do that, 
I think I know the answer to this question, but I want to check it with you. What was the yeah. very, technically speaking, what was the very first uh, character Muppet you performed? It was uh, during, um, Kermit asked me to. Kermit Love. I, Kermit Love asked me to do um, uh, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade because that was the year that the Muppet movie came out. And so they had the, the bus from the Muppet movie in that. So that meant the classic major, the main puppeteers for, for the Muppets were going to do the bus. And so we still had the Sesame Street float to then populate all of the Sesame Street characters. So he said, we're going to need a lot of puppeteers. Ask your mom, because I was, hello, I was 17. Wow. You come up, and so that meant that I had to come up the night before, because when you when you do the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, you have to be at that float at like 7.30 in the morning. Mm. And you know, normally in New York, it's not summer. <laughs> it's, it's like, could be 10 degrees, 5 degrees, whatever. You know, yeah, Billy, the- Billy, you did it, right? What? One year, yeah. I just did Billy it once. Did not the float, once. but yeah. Yeah, I did it like 15. I don't know. How many oh, my years. God. You've, yeah. And uh, and so this is my first. <laughs> and so, you know, so I get to go. And then, you know, they start picking, you know, who's going to do what, you know. And, and and they gave me, they gave me Cookie Monster. Wow. And I heard the Hallelujah Choir. <laughs> wow. Wow. What? So now I'm like, I can't believe it. And I'm looking, I'm looking at, uh, there's another puppeteer, uh, Jim Krupa, who was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. And so first time on the float, it was, well, Bill, you got to do it. It's beyond amazing. If you, there's a scrim that's black in front of you and then there's curtains in front. So you can actually see out to a certain extent. Hmm. It is the most legendary, historic, yeah. you know, miracle on 34th Street. It is all of that and a stick of butter. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it really is. It's, it's the most magical thing that you could ever do, you know, and, and be not just, you know, because I know how amazing if you live in, in Manhattan and you get to see these floats and these, you know, all of this stuff, it's amazing. But to be on a float. <laughs> so I'm on this thing and I'm doing it. And, you know, <laughs> that's cooking. <laughs> on the they can't hear it. But I'm doing Cookie Monster. But also, I'm looking outside, and as far as the eye can see, is these people screaming hmm. Bob, Susan, you know, Big Bird. As I'm saying that to you guys, it still gives me chills today. It is the most amazing thing. So, of course, I get down 34. I have no voice. It's gone. It's totally right. gone. It's like, but it was it was beyond amazing. And to put it on, and actually, I got to look at I got to look at the seams. I got to oh. look at it. Oh, right. I was like, oh, so it was like it was, it was all these double wonderful things that I got I got to experience with that first time. It was it was beyond. It was wonderful. Wow. Wow. We're not up there. You're still looking up there. No, yeah, they are. We're, they are. We're not. No. Why can't we be over here? Because we're there. Why? Right why, at are, why are we in heaven? All right. So, that was fun. That was good. Okay, so listen. He didn't talk about the razzles, though, but or anyway. Well, because there's going to be a part two. Oh, well, he mentions it in there. Oh, okay. I think so. Yep. All right. Anyway, how would you like to know who won the trivia contest? I would. How? I'd like to know. And how would you like to know who wins the prize, which is an autographed 8x10 by Billy. And you get to pick uh, which one, uh, one of the three characters. Was it Swedish Chef, Chef, Pepe, and Johnny? Or Johnny. Right. So you're going to have to email us through our website and let us know which one you'd like. Yes, subscribe. The winner subscribe. is... 
Beelzy, 66. Whose name, your real name is Melissa. Congratulations, Melissa. Beelzy, 66. Yes, congratulations. Winner of our trivia contest. So, there you go, folks. You watch, you submit, you win. Yeah, it's as easy as that. So, thank you for watching. We'll see you next week for our second half. Kevin Clash. And um, Gene might be catching things out of his ear. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> I already did. I caught one of these. All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. We're a podcast and a vodcast. You can listen or watch the episode. Just go to the BerettaBrothers.com. That's B-A-R-R-E-T-T-A Brothers.com. Please subscribe, rate us. And we'd love to hear your comments. Thank you. <laughs>